0: Welcome to this week's Eccentric Minute, brought to you by Eccentric. This week we're going to cover the K-Box RDL, another staple with the Eccentric K-Box. Make sure that you're able to get to full extension with the strap. So You may need it to go a little bit longer than you would initially guess. And from there, I really like to make sure that the middle of my foot is around right where the gap, where the strap goes through so that we can make sure that the tether goes straight up and down. From that point, give the wheel a spin, push your hips back, your shoulders locked in, and really work back into those hips. This is a great alternative to using the barbell or a dumbbell for the RDL. Give it a try, it's one your athletes are sure to love. I really hope you enjoyed this week's Eccentric Minute. Make sure you check them out at eccentric.com to find out everything you need about the K-Box and the K-Pulley. Being a strength and conditioning professional requires constant pursuit of better knowledge Better methods and better means. But what if there was a place where strength and conditioning coaches could learn from some of the most innovative practitioners in the world, such as Jeff Moyer, Lachlan Wilmot, William Wayland, James the Thinker Smith, and Kierwenham Flat? Well, you could find multiple lectures from each of these top-level coaches, and a few lectures and examples from yours truly as well, all in the Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is going to bring you. Well over a hundred different lectures from some of the top practitioners in the world to be your one-stop shop for your continuing education and professional development. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. That's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash C-V-A-S-P-S to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Katie, thank you so much for spending the time with us today.
1: Absolutely. Love. I appreciate you letting me on the podcast. Yeah,
0: well, it's good to catch up. I'm glad things are going well out there. And I think that uh, I think probably a good spot to start. You know, the last time we talked was during Free VASPs. You had an awesome presentation about, you know, what you were looking at, what you were building, and how you were going to get all of the, the young women that you get to work with, you know, back into it. So really now, this will come out early October. Where's the cards now? Where Where is this gone? And what have there been sort of alterations that have been moving forward?
1: Well, uh, basically everything that I covered in my talk is now irrelevant because we didn't really do <laughs> hardly any of what I was hoping we'd be able to do uh, given the protocols. And, you know, every day, you know, our athletes were, were able to come back in June, which June 8th was our report date. And I know that that is leagues ahead of probably 99% of the other programs, especially women's programs that are out there. So we only missed about seven days of our normal training time. So lucky for us, we were able to get our athletes back on campus, however, nothing was the way we were expecting it to be. So we had to limit the amount of time we could be in a weight room. So we have uh, a weight room that we had to split our team into two groups we normally train together in one. So we split into two groups we couldn't have more than six athletes in the weight room at a time and we couldn't lift for longer than 45 minutes because we need 15 minutes at the back end to spray everything down wipe it all down sanitize it let the air you know circulate and then bring in the next group at the top of the hour for the next lift so even just what we had planned for lifting's sake i got six athletes i've got three racks how do i socially distance them So instead of everyone getting to do uh, let's say zercher squats or something else inside the racks together, I've got one of you guys are gonna do, or one group of you are gonna do block A, which is gonna be our zercher squat. Uh, The other group is gonna do block B and that's gonna be maybe a rear foot elevated split squat and some other things and then we flip. So just utilizing the space we have, utilizing the time we have, utilizing, Basically, anything that we could use to our advantage to try and train these athletes and get them to where they needed to be uh, made me be a lot more creative and a lot more thinking on my feet, looking at the room, going, All right, how do I keep them six feet apart? Okay, we need to get trap bar done. How long is it going to take me to do two different blocks to get trap bar done today? Okay, that leaves me 10 minutes to do conditioning at the end. Got it. How do I do conditioning when I can't? run them on the court, if someone else is on the court. Um, yeah, so there was, there was a lot of things that we had to work around that, you know, I, I had discussed like, how are we gonna get them on the court a little bit more, do this, do that? How are we gonna make sure that we're, you know, developing some load tolerance with our athletes? And I kind of put up like an MAS grid, which we utilized a little bit, but not as much, I would have, as, much as I would have liked to, because we're limited, not only 45 minutes in the weight room, but we were limited to 45 minutes on the court because we needed to clean the basketballs, clean the backboards, spray the nets and wipe the floors between every single group. So they were on the court for 45 minutes, they'd be in the weight room for 45 minutes so we can clean and stuff in between. So if I took them to the court, that took 45 minutes of their basketball time that they only got each day. So time management has been the top priority. How are we maximizing the time? What are the things that, are, that we need to do and what are the things that are nice to do and how do we make sure we have a good mix of both so that we're creating these robust, resilient, well-rounded athletes? So nothing is the way that I thought it was going to be, but it still turned out to be pretty awesome. We had a really, really productive offseason.
0: Well, that's good. And I think, though, that one thing, you know, and Brad talked about this last week when it comes to Brad, Dr. DeWeese, should probably use his real first name since he went to school for so long um it's just how really like people in 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 this little area of sport one thing that we're very used to is being kind of on our toes and problem solving and figuring things out really kind of fighting for ourselves and what is important and best for the kids and I think that that's probably something that's helped a lot of us be able to continue to navigate you know, through this, is that our ability to think on the fly, and still have the big picture long game in front of us, um, with these constant curveballs that have been thrown have been really beneficial.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I think we all have our annual plans, right? We all have kind of the long vision of what we're trying to do. and. I know what the goal is. I didn't know when the goal had to happen though. And that was tough having an annual plan, but not knowing, are we going to start season at the end of September, early October? Are we going to start it in November 25th now seems to be the date that has been released. So not knowing an end date was really tough for someone like me. I program out months ahead of time and then I make little adjustments as we go because I am big picture bring it down to what are we doing today? And I like to have that planned out. It helps my OCD and my stress levels stay down if I know where we're going. But you can't plan like that if you don't know what the end, what the end date is. So for me, uh, I had to learn a lot about myself and how to manage, how do I make sure we're on the correct path, but instead of building backwards, I got to learn to build forward. So I think I know when it's going to be, but I'm not really hundred percent sure. So let me just do this two, three or four week block now, see where we're at, how are we responding to it? And my biggest thing that I changed this year was I normally, we'll come back, we'll lift for a couple weeks and then we'll just do like a quick max out. Maybe we'll get like a two or three rep max. I'll just see where they are. I'll estimate something. And then we'll go based off of percentages. And I seem to do a different rep scheme, uh, you know, a different program every year. I just want to see what works best for them. But this year, i knew that only five of my 12 athletes that were going to be coming on campus had access to any any sort of resistance equipment uh and of the those five it was like a 15 pound dumbbell it wasn't 30s 40s it wasn't anything substantial maybe it was resistance bands which is great but it's not they didn't have a trap bar they haven't picked up a trap bar since we left in march so not knowing where they were going to be from a strength standpoint I actually just started doing daily maxes. So come in day one, we're going to do trap bar. We're going to do four sets of five. I want you to build up to something that feels moderate, moderate heavy. Give me like a six or a seven out of 10 today. And I just had them recorded on their sheet. And the next time we came in on that next Monday, doing the same lift, doing trap bar again, we're going to still do four sets of five, but you got to beat what you got last week. So now here's your working daily max. You have to do at least five pounds more than you did last week. And we would keep those same rep schemes for two, three, four weeks, depending on how big the jumps they were making. And then I would drop it down a little bit. So now we're gonna do four rep daily maxes. Give me a moderate heavy load. Next week you build on top of that. And it's not gonna work with every team, but it works with this team because the team that we have in is the most competitive team I have ever seen in my life. It's a reflection of, we have one senior, Dana Evans, who's the defending ACC player of the year. And she pushes her teammates to be the absolute best because she already is the fittest, the fastest, and one of the strongest. And she's continuing to come in and try and get fitter and faster and stronger. And so leading by example, having her as your lone senior, as your captain, one of the co-captains, it's it makes my job so much easier because I don't have to get on the kids to work hard, I should say, the, the young women. She gets on her own teammates and then they push each other. So the competitive nature of this program this year It's unlike anything I've seen. So something like a Daily Max is just what we ended up doing. We had the most productive offseason we've had in the four offseasons that I've worked with this team. So we've got – Riggs is making uh, an appearance here. You just woke up from a nap. Hey, buddy. (laughs) Hey, buddy. (laughs) Uh, You know, we have have kids who are knocking off, you know, a tenth of a second on their three-quarter court. We've got kids that are jumping six, seven inches longer on their long jump. We've got uh, kids who are putting – some athletes have put 60, 70 pounds on their trap bar pulls. So just having a daily max, letting the athletes be competitive and give them something to be competitive in because they didn't know when season was going to be. And so their basketball was limited a lot in terms of how much they could be competitive on the court. So we've made the weight room the place where they can let that energy out. And they have really flourished and really bought into, I'm going to get better against myself. Every single day, but I'm also gonna look over to my side and go, I'm gonna lift more than you today, too. So this this program, this team has made my job so much easier and so much more fun. And getting to think on my toes and you know be a little bit more creative has made me a better coach as well.
0: That's awesome. And if you're just listening and you're not watching on YouTube, you're missing because Riggs is awesome. And if you don't follow Katie on Instagram, not just for the training stuff, but also for the dog parenting (laughs) that goes on
1: yeah
0: it's uh you're missing out more than anyone else so keep listening and then come back for the dog shots during this because he's awesome he's i can't believe how big he's gotten already
1: Um, pounds of muscle
0: dude that dog's gonna be massive i'm hoping so but no you know i think that like what's really awesome to hear about that is like kind of the cool way to term something like that where you're just using simple progressive overload like you know the principles that actually work is just minimal effective dose and like that's kind of that was really cool and now people are saying well is it the right thing to do yada 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 because they want to misinterpret what it means but whatever we can go on that tantrum another day it's probably a beer talk but using the simple things when they haven't done anything for a while kind of is the message that a lot of people are giving is it is that is allowing the athletes to be successful because it's putting them in a position where they can be successful Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it's it's kind of marrying together the competitive nature that they're already going to have and then letting them compete against themselves because they a lot of them did not step into a weight room from march until my athletes came back in june some people's athletes aren't coming back until august right and so I didn't wanna be in the position of starting to prescribe loads and percentages based off of old maxes that, I don't know if that was gonna be the right move. So I did, I, I regressed everything back to the point of just, hey, beat better than you were last week. That's what we're gonna do, progressive overload. And you know what, it worked. It worked and, and it does, it's not gonna work for every team because they have to be competitive. They have to want to beat who they were last week. If you have athletes that don't care, who are like, yeah, I'll just like lift whatever you say they're only going to put an extra two pounds on the bar every week. And technically they'll still get stronger, but they're not going to see the strength gains that I've been lucky enough to see with this team, because they're not just going to go up two pounds. They're going to try and go up 10 pounds week after week after week. And as we start to bring the reps down, the intensity starts going up and they start feeling stronger and they start feeling faster. And they're seeing the results that, you know, you love for them to see it's like the weight room is going to make you better at basketball. That's why why we're in there. We're in there to make you better at basketball. We're in there to uh, minimize your risk of injury. We're in there to try and win more. So allowing them to get those wins every single day, whether it's just, I picked up a a dumbbell that was five pounds heavier, or I put five more pounds on the trap bar today, that's a win. So put them in an environment where they can be athletes because athletes want to compete. And athletes want to move. And for the last six months, a lot of them didn't get to have any of that.
0: Two huge things that you just said. One, putting them in a situation where they win more. And I think that people confuse that at times as just being on the scoreboard. You know, I think that, like Joe Ken has said it a trillion times uh the the biggest thing that transfers in the weight room is confidence and i think that putting them in situations where they continue to improve and they continue to progress they continue to get better builds that and then you know putting them in situations where letting athletes be athletes i think that that self learning right like the the them understanding whether it be they jumped a little higher or a little further, or they picked up something a little heavier, or they pushed something a little heavier, or they threw something a little further. Like allowing them to display what has made them be unique and successful is just as much a part of what we're trying to do with all of this, and how really kind of the byproduct of that progressive overload, because it if you don't see it, you don't know you can do it. If you haven't run a four-five, you don't know you can run a four-five, right? Like, so so putting them in those places to be athletes, I think, is really something that all too often coaches miss. And I think that's really important. I'm super happy that you you said that.
1: Yeah, that's uh, let athletes be athletes is actually kind of something that I got from a previous mentor of mine, Bill Knowles. And so he's an athletic trainer and a certified strength coach. And he would talk about pulling the athletes out of injury because a lot, being a certified athletic trainer, he works with a lot of professional athletes, whether they're coming from hip surgery, back surgery, knee surgery, whatever. And he marries athletic development, gymnastics, multi uh, direction speed and agility, strength, and quote unquote rehab, which we call reconditioning all into one program. And so he would always just say, like, pull the athlete out of the injury. Meaning if they sprain their ankle and they're kind of limping around a little bit, instead of just doing a typical warm up of dead bugs, for dogs, uh, maybe some other, you know, whatever you're going to do, why don't you play a game with them where they can be mostly stationary, but they're going to have to bounce on their toes or they're going to lose. And athletes are competitive. So let the athlete be an athlete, pull the athlete out of the injury and let them start to... Feel what it's like to be athletic. Bounce on your toes and play a catching game, or you know, throw against almost like play wall ball. Throw a ball against the wall, and you've got to get it within a square. And so now they're moving around, and they're forgetting that their ankle is sore or that their knee is bothering them. And then before they know it, they're drenched in sweat, they're warmed up, and you're like, okay, now we're ready to recondition, whether that's lifting or whatnot. So he would always say, pull the athlete out of the injury. And so for me, it's like let if they're healthy, let athletes just be athletes, and. That does transition over into the weight room a little bit too because I'm. it depends on the movement and don't take, me, don't take this out of context, but I let them solve movement problems. So if we're doing drop bar and they want to hinge a little bit more as opposed to squat, I'm going to let them do that. I'm not going to be a stickler for, I said it's going to be a squat. So you need to do this. As long as everything else looks correct biomechanically, I'm going to let them problem solve. I'm going to let them figure out how to pick this weight up, doing within these parameters, within these, you know, set and rep schemes to get done what they need to get done and allow them to kind of self-discover, you know, different patterns and movements and things that they're going to naturally do anyway, because when they leave the weight room, they're going to go onto the court and they're going to play basketball. And so they're not always going to have a beautiful crossover step or this beautiful little plyo step with a crossover. Like, it's not gonna happen. They're gonna play the way they wanna play. So let them solve movement puzzles by giving them, maybe a here's what we're gonna do for the day. And if they're not doing it exactly the way I had said, but they're also not doing it wrong, I tend to just let them kind of move through it and see what happens. As long as they're not gonna put themselves in a situation where they're gonna get hurt, let an athlete be an athlete. Let them solve this problem, whether it's a hinge or they squat, maybe they've got stronger glutes, so they're gonna hinge a little bit more, okay. I'm not going to put you in a position that you don't want to be in if we're going to be pulling heavy weight. I'm going to let you pull at the, at the position that you feel most comfortable in.
0: Yeah, I think that that's something, too, that a lot of people bang their head against the wall about because they think that no matter what, you know, a movement has to look in a certain situation. And I, I couldn't agree more. Like letting them, especially if you're doing things progressively, right, letting them figure out the best way for them to do it as long as like you know they don't look like that cat from 300 when they're trying to pick the bar up like what 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 are you fighting like you've got kids that'll sit back more and pick it up like you know a conventional power lifter that's fine you've got kids that are going to sit down more and pick it up more like a high bar squat you know that's fine like either way as long as they're not putting themselves in a bad spot to get hurt like There's a reason they do it that way. Now, if there's orthopedic situations like you were stating earlier and you need to do X, Y, or Z to help kind of drive things, you know, drive the path a little better, then, you know, there's obviously that. But if that's the fight you're going to have, that's the fight, like, that you want to pick with a kid, good luck. That's just my opinion. But not, I I think that one thing that I do want to pick your brain about, I do want to hear selfishly because the other team you get to work with is is women's lacrosse Mm -hmm. and we keep having these meetings and these discussions about what are we doing now what are we doing now what are we doing now and i keep saying over and over again it doesn't matter it doesn't matter we're gonna have to do this again in the spring have you even looked that far ahead when it comes to their reintroduction after christmas break and assuming these kids will be able to have christmas break and what you've learned from June to now and how that's going to impact what you're doing going forward.
1: Yeah, so we haven't thought completely into January yet. So lacrosse did not come back onto campus until the first day, the first week of school, the week before. So they were in mid-August because they were spring sport. They were the last one we brought back on campus. We were kind of trying to bring them in in phases. So it came, you know, football and, and basketball and then our fall sports. Half of our fall sports, then the other half of the fall sports, then some of the winter sports like swimming. And then the last ones to come in were our spring sports. So what we've done with them is we've just put them in the slow cooker. And whether or not I think they did their packets while they were at home, everyone is on the let's start from scratch plan. Because we have the time. We're not playing fall ball games for lacrosse. I'm not sure about some of the other spring sports. But so we don't have to get them ready by you know november or like october so we're just taking our time we're starting to do you know some mas work we're starting to load some volume on them our coach was awesome he has been really slow on increasing the amount of lacrosse that they're playing so we didn't come right back and go right into you know a full hour and a half practice or something like that or hour practice he started with like 30 minutes of lacrosse the first week in the second week he got up to about 45 minutes of lacrosse in the third week he's up to about an hour so Yeah, we've, we've just been really slow and careful with them and just wanted to see where they were. And I think most of our kids needed that time. Because even if they were doing the packet and they were at home, some of them did have resistance equipment, but they're not doing the conditioning and the weightlifting at the intensity that they're supposed to be doing it. Like, it's different when you're in the Marshall Center, and I'm in your face, and I'm like, put weight on the bar. And you're like, okay or you're at home and you're like, mom, when you're done with that, can you come spot me? I have to bench today, you know? Like understanding that they all needed just a reset. So we've been going slow. We're gonna have to quarantine. I'm sure when we come back in in January, we don't know what, you know, January is gonna look like yet. Like, are we gonna have to rush them back and get them ready for games at the end of January like we normally do? Or are we gonna have a little more time? Like usually the first week of February is lacrosse's first games maybe they push it back a little bit and that would be great because that would allow us to just take a step back again, reassess where we are, you know, how much did we lose from when we left in, in the fall and came back in January? But yeah, we're, we, we don't know yet. We don't know yet. And it's not worth putting the stress in and try and come up with six or seven contingency plans of just, let's just do a really good job this fall and prepare them the best we can so that when they do go home, when they come back, hopefully they won't have lost you know, too much and we can pick up in a decent place and maybe we'll have a, an extra two weeks or so to get everybody back to where they need to go. And then, you know, hopefully from there we're, we're good to play games. That's the plan.
0: Yeah. I, my, my big thing with it right now, you know, looking at it when, when all these young people are going to come back is if they all leave before Thanksgiving, we're looking at six to eight weeks again. And the problem with spring sports is – more often than not, there are people going to places where they're not able to do things outside and they're not able to condition. And I, I think that, you know, what we keep talking about here is what are we going to do in order to make sure that people are in the best spot to be in the best spot? And if we're going to give them basically an eight week detraining period, and they're gonna have to quarantine, assumingly for 10 to 14 days when they get back, the best thing can't be games in January or early February. You know, like, I think the NFL is teaching us that, comma, totally different animal, totally different everything. You know, the sport, the athletes, how massive they are, they're out, all of it is different than what goes on in spring sports. Like, let's get that out of the way before everybody starts jumping down my throat. But what what it's showing us is even outside the catastrophic things, there's a lot of soft tissue stuff. There's a lot of issues when they didn't have their, the same preseason, which is typically nothing, you know? Like, that's what most of the, the people that work in the league say, is that they don't get enough time to begin with, and now they got zero so I think that this is something where we need to heed these warnings and and look at this and be like, listen, like if college basketball was going to cut their games out of conference by twenty five percent, like I'm pretty sure baseball and lacrosse is, need to take a look and take a step back and be like, all right, so maybe maybe Memorial Day weekend isn't the championship this year, like maybe it's got to be later or maybe we got to cut a game or two to make sure. Because on top of that, right, just like for both sports, getting into that crank position, that's a ton of stress. All the way up, adductor, through your, your midsection, low back, shoulder. Like, you start ripping crankers left and right. Now, all of a sudden, what happens? Like, if they haven't been able to get out and throw, catch, all that stuff, like, what are we looking at?
1: Yeah, and uh, – I- Something I think that we've done to hopefully set ourselves up for success is we, we've had to manage our time in our main weight room. So we can't have 50 athletes in the weight room at one time. We're limited by the space that we have, the time that we need to clean in between groups, things like that. So our lacrosse program is actually only lifting out of our main weight room once a week, and that's Wednesday mornings actually. So I got done not too long ago with them. And we're doing our two big movements, which is bench and trap bar. we're doing a little bit of accessories during that time and then we're out we are lifting and conditioning on the field mondays tuesdays wednesdays and fridays so if we're not in the weight room which we are on wednesdays we are doing stuff on the field because we've brought out we have eight barbells we've got some plates we've got some 45s and 25s whatnot and our lifts basically consist of hypertrophy work and Accumulating volume. So we are doing, you know, lunge with the plate rotation. We're doing roof foot split squats using the bleachers. We're setting up landmines with uh, the barbells that we have, or we're doing RDLs with the barbells. So we're getting really creative with very limited equipment and we're lifting the team together eight feet apart. It looks almost like an ROTC. Like they're in row, you know, rows and columns. We, everyone's got, you know, their own bar, their own plate. And it's been poetry in motion. And I think we've been setting them up for success because when they go home, if they have a 25 pound plate, I can give them the lifts we've been doing on the field and they should know exactly what the expectation is. They should understand that it's not that hard. It might look scary, but you guys are doing way more when you're on the field with us than when I'm going to program for you when to go home. Hopefully they will understand that they need to be doing that stuff when they're at home. If you can get one 25 pound plate, we're set. That's all I need. Because everything we're doing on the field is 10s, 25s, or an empty barbell. So we've tried to just utilize our time as much as possible and get kind of the quarter in the jar. Every day we're gonna do a 20 minute lift before. And when we're in the Marshall Center, we get 45 minutes. We do our big movements that we can't do on the field. Everything else is, you know, quote unquote, accessories, but it's becoming our main lift. A lot of single leg work, a lot of stepping patterns to try and, you know, get strong quads, strong hamstrings, strong glutes for those fields female field sport athletes if anything and then you know for upper body it's like any kind of push pull we're getting great at push-ups lots of tempo push-ups we're doing so what we're doing on the field should set them up to be able to do something at home even if they don't have equipment we can give you some some body burners you know we can give you if you can get a 25 pound plate or one dumbbell here's what you can do so i'm hoping the strength will take care of itself the conditioning you know that's always a toss-up in the air because we i have some canadians they're not They're not going to Canada in January and December and running outside. Like it's just not happening. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. The conditioning is going to be a little tricky. I think it's easier to get them back into a decent p- place with the conditioning though, especially the way that we do it. Our coach will kind of run them in between drills. So it's more game-like as opposed to just a true conditioning session and a true uh, lacrosse session. But if they, if I can keep them strong, I think we're going to be able to minimize a lot of the injury risk that i think is going to be really prevalent in those spring sports especially the female field sports that are going to be playing in the spring like that's that for me especially having lacrosse it makes me worry a little bit but i think i think we've set ourselves ourselves up and our athletes up to be successful with how we're training them now and showing them that like if you do this we'll be fine if you don't do this we'll see
0: Yeah. And I think that that's the part that's challenging, right? It's especially in that sport, you're looking at kids for the most part, you know, like Maryland, Long Island, upstate New York and Canada. And it's like Maryland, maybe, uh, as a kid who grew up in upstate New York in the hotbed, I can tell you not a snowball's chance in hell, um, which is basically Canada anyway. So, I mean, the the only outdoor conditioning, for the most part, those kids should be able to do is shovel in their driveway. So, it's you know, which is great. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, you want to you want to be strong on ground balls. Yeah, start picking up some lake effect. You know, I mean, that'll love, that'll get you down there and get you really digging those balls out of the out of the scrums, I guess.
1: Yeah, you know, I haven't thought about uh, shoveling for conditioning, but that would be great for lacrosse. They're gonna hate me for it, but I think that's hilarious. Maybe maybe I'll throw that in one day. See if any of them notice. I'll see who does who does their packets or not when I yeah. say good trouble for thirty minutes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I love it, you know. And it's, but I mean, although most of the people that live up there anyway, they're going to have a snowblower, so they probably wouldn't need to do that. But I I would love to see the reaction on those kids' faces right. when they see the that. Their I mean, videos on
1: social media. <laughs> Doing do my winter packet. Thanks, yeah. Katie. How's yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Two birds, one stone. You know, like helping yeah. my <laughs> And making sure katie's not mad when i get back but no dude hey man this is awesome i'm glad to see you doing great and just as happy to see the puppies living his best life and things are great down there and uh i'm really appreciating your time today katie thank you so much
1: yeah thanks for having me out riggs is i lulled him to sleep he was so bored he's <laughs> already back asleep. So i'm glad he got to make his appearance
0: dude there's so much better than people and, and i love watching I, I'm loving watching him grow up, and even if it's just, you know, you're daily walking him, finding the tall grass, just to be like, no, we're stopping. Like, <laughs> just, I love it.
1: I've already decided, like, if he was an athlete, he'd definitely be a strong man or a power lifter. Like, he's got he's got the hips forward. He's got a real big barrel chest, got zero cardio. Anything <laughs> longer than a mile and a half. I better bring water, and I better find some shade for him.
0: Love it. That's the best. Well, listen, we'll be in touch real soon, Katie. Thank you so much. Cheers.
1: Yes, thanks.